Hey, I am so glad that you're joining me in the honest conversations about all things family. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor and a mom. Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. This is going to be a place for us to be real about the mess of parenting. Um, It's a place for you to feel validated and to find some self-compassion and some hope for the road ahead. Let's stand in the mud together because personally I think that is the absolute best place to start. Hey, thanks for coming back for episode two of this mini series on anxiety, the unwanted house guest. If you have younger kids or you want to understand the ins and outs of detecting anxiety at its early stages, no matter what age you are, I'd encourage you to listen to episode one, where I talk about what anxiety looks and sounds like and tips and strategies for nipping it in the bud. For today, our focus is going to be on our teens and tweens. It's that stage of development where our peers become way more important to us and, well, us as parents are sort of forced into the back seat. For some of us, we might actually feel like we have been gagged, bound, and locked in the trunk. I am currently holding my breath, uh, hoping that won't be my personal journey, but uh, my oldest daughter is now 13 and it's a little too early to tell. And I'm going to be leaning in on new parent veterans for how to get through that phase. It's also the years known for uh, being quite anxiety prone. And after all, so many shifts happen, right, between 10 and 19. It is a lot to keep up with. You know the list, hormones for one, changes in your body, um, just trying to find new methods of fitting in or standing out, Uh, posturing, you know, to test out who your real friends are, doing the dance of connecting, but also having boundaries and autonomy, increased expectations that we are not just responsible for ourselves anymore, but also for others. And there's the ever-loving digital advancements in technology that are virtually impossible to keep our tweens and our teens safe from, both because we can't keep up with the newest apps or games that to stay ahead of them, and really because there's no escaping its use, meaning inherently there's always some risk of abuse. Our kids might become the doers of harm or they might become victims of it. But that topic I'm going to dedicate to in its own episode down the road, and I'm definitely going to have an expert guest on for that one. I am, frankly, just too old and out of the loop to even be able to attempt to sound wise on that front. So I'll spare you. You're welcome. Uh, But I can say that it's a whole thing, and I am paying close attention. It causes us a ton of grief trying to manage it with a remote sense of competency or authority. As parents, our sense of control and influence can feel lost. Who even are these people living in our homes? Who climbed into their mouths and made them spew that newfound nastiness of a foul language right at my face? Who possessed them while I slept last night with this colorful attitude of self-righteousness and entitlement? Who took your sweet baby? And how do you get them back? Sometimes you might even be shocked when they come out of their rooms every, I don't know, three days for an hour just to grab something from the fridge. And you might be caused to be put in a state of pause just to confirm that, yes, they still live here. Today, I want to talk about a couple of key things. 
They are themes that come up time and time again with teen clients of mine. You know, it's tough when parents bring their kids in for counseling uh, because the rules around confidentiality mean that I can't run back to the parents and reveal all the secrets that they their child has spilled in session, which I know they're all dying to know. Um, they've brought their teens to me often because they won't open up at home, which, by the way, is normal. So don't freak out if that's happening. The next step for parents is to convince their teen to spill the beans with someone else that they can trust. So like not just the random neighbor that they're not so sure about. But at the end of the day, unless that kid is at risk of serious harm, I can't share the goods. Leaving parents wondering a couple of key things. What lies is my kid telling their therapist about me? And what is really going on in my kid's head? This podcast offers a bit of a loophole in that I get to share what kids are saying these days without breaking any rules around confidentiality. Now, I'm not sharing what a client said, but most of the tweens and teens that I meet up with circle back to these things as being significant for them. Okay, theme number one. One of the biggest tensions that this age group experiences is the need to grow up in tension with the desire to stay young. Essentially, it's this idea that there are constant pressures to do the growing up things, like learning to drive, proving themselves at their first job, getting the good grades that might give them an advantage for more education later on. Just say no to all the temptations offered by your peers Um, that you've long lectured them about avoiding, handling those early more-than-friends relationships, joining all the sports teams and after-school clubs to ensure that they don't look lazy, that they look capable and free to make their own choices in front of their friends, because, you know, no one owns me. At the same time, though, they still want, actually need, the nurturing and care that's associated with being younger and, and dependent. What that tension has done for both our teens and for us as parents, it's really just blown our methods of communicating and connecting out of the water. So here's what I want to suggest to you. That you actively consider your kids' tween and teen years as the time you throw out every assumption about who they are out the window and you start recreating a map of connection with them pretty much from scratch. The old ways of connecting might land you feeling insulted or rejected because it's just not cool to be seen hugging dad when he drops you off at high school. I think we get scared as parents, and actually our kids feel like this too, that the connection's dying or somehow being lost. That leaves us all feeling anxious. Instead, what if we thought about it as a skin-shedding kind of experience, one that is designed to happen and, whoa, maybe even met with excitement and curiosity instead of fear. Yes, it takes investment. It is not a passive process where the new layer of skin looks at all familiar or maybe we've read about it once in a self-help book, but rather an intentional active stage where we shift our expectations as parents 
and give our teens a new relationship with us. Because while teens will tell you with their words that they don't need us, it's really just a part of themselves trying hard to do the growing up thing and prove to their friends and to you and really to the universe that they've got this. Don't let that one part of them do all the talking. The part that's not allowed to speak anymore but still inside of them longing for something is the part that needs reassurance, validation, affection, attention, nurturing, and even admiration. They need those things from us, not just from their peers. When we make the mistake of thinking that what they say with their words, their hibernating, and their attitudes is the whole truth and nothing but the truth, we spend lots of time battling the part that is pushing us away And we forget to pay attention to the unspoken needs of the part that still wants us to envelop them and make them feel safe and secure. We just can't always use the same delivery system for those ways of connecting. When I throw this idea out to teens, they do laugh at first, briefly. And then they look down and they pause and they get kind of serious And then they half admit that there is a part that longs for that sense of connection with mom and dad. They want to know that whatever set of values that they are trying on for size, or whomever they are emerging from the cocoon as, that they are loved and they still belong, even when they don't know who they are. They want to know that the attachment to their parents can handle their new phase of exploring themselves that there's someone who cares to know them, support them, and not be scared off by them. So what if you do one of those car rides, you know, where the pressure's low, there's a DQ en route, where we get to ask subtle questions like, I noticed you don't seem as into basketball anymore. Like it kind of takes a lot of effort for you to go. Just wondering what that's about. Or I was thinking today about how my mom and dad We're actually kind of sucky when I was a teenager at being able to connect with me. We didn't know how to talk to each other. And I didn't know how to talk to them. And it made me think about how I want that to be different for you and me. Because I know it's normal not to want to talk about everything. But maybe there's some stuff that you're not sharing that you wish you could. Maybe we could do it in a different way. I could see us doing an ice cream run on Friday nights. What do you think? These kinds of invitations can provide a gate to new patterns of creating space. Space for organic conversation to occur. No real pressure, no ulterior motive, no presumed answers. Just an opportunity for dialogue where you get to follow up on small things that they share about themselves. How school's going, experiences they're having with friends, pressures they feel. You can commit to yourself that you're not gonna wear your judge's hat. You're just gonna be curious with them and collect data on what matters to them in this stage of life. Let them air questions that they have that you don't necessarily even have the answers for. Do ice cream runs decrease anxiety? I don't know, maybe, but that's not the point. It's more about setting the stage of new relationships and connection with them so they genuinely feel safe and at ease enough to voluntarily reveal when anxiety emerges. 
Don't wait for high pressure situations and then go in with guns ablazing trying to, you know, get something out of them. You as parents get to focus less on how to make them face things they're avoiding or how to break their shields of attitude and bravado and focus more on your bond. That bond can offer a sense of security that buffers against anxiety and it provides a safety net for when things are internally hard and need a place for it to be processed or just released. And theme number two that comes up for teens in my office, they can be constantly surrounded by people but still feel alone. It's not a lack of bodies around that's the problem, although right now that might be part of it. COVID has a way of shrinking our world very dramatically. It's the lack of feeling like they fully belong anywhere, where it's full on safe to just be themselves. They can become hyper attuned to subtle things and interpret them as signals of judgment, causing them to focus on how they don't fit in or are different rather than remembering and keeping in front of mind that they likely have more in common with others than not. They're reading the room all the time, all the time. And this is an effort to know what others need from them and try and mold to fit in. The perceived differences are pointed out by flippant comments by their peers, looks in the school hallway, the strength of a group bond that they see in class but can't figure out how to insert themselves into, or the need to fit yourself into the awkward but typical organization of peers into categories like athletes, artsy kids, partiers, skaters, nerds, and so on. It feels to them like one wrong move and they'll have a label for life. Talk about pressure. Being attuned that heavily to your surroundings all the time Guarding yourself from being judged is exhausting. And kids aren't supposed to admit that. They have to make it look effortless, like they have it all under control and don't care what others think of them. So here's the thing about belonging and secure attachment. When you feel safe in a bond with somebody, it is amazing what you can endure and handle when you're physically removed from that person. Essentially, you carry that knowledge and feeling with you wherever you go, whether that person's two inches from you or an hour's drive away. When kids know in their bones that they are loved and accepted by someone, they hold that throughout the day, even when they're in an environment where they almost feel invisible or not safe. You can offer that. It does not mean that they won't struggle while they're at school or on a sports team or wherever. But they are going to have something internally firm to draw from in terms of strength needed to manage that hard stuff. It reminds me of a book that my daughter received from her kindergarten teacher. Um, They handed this out to every kid on their first day of school. It's called The Kissing Hand, and it's written by Audrey Penn. She illustrates the lasting charge of the connection from a caregiver through a kiss in the palm of a little one who has to separate from their person, reminding them throughout the day that that parent is coming back. All they have to do is look at their palm. In the hours apart, the kiss in the palm becomes a tactile reminder for the child that the love does not disappear with the physical absence of a parent. 
So I'm not really suggesting that you pause this podcast and run over to the teen that's currently fleeing your home to go drive off to meet a friend, um, that you should, you know, kiss their palm. (laughs) Although I kind of dare you to do that. But I encourage you to rethink how you can reassure your growing child that his or her independent striving years are not without you. You're still there. You care and you are a soft place for them to land when the world gets rough. Don't assume they know that. And here's a pro tip from my own mother who raised me as the last of six kids. If you have a reactive, easily defensive and combative teen who pushes back at even the look of starting a serious conversation with them that might be at all personal. Okay, yes, that was me. Try leaving notes for them. I still have some of the ones that my mom left me. Many of them I answered and slipped back under her bedroom door to read when I wasn't around. Um, And some of them I actually shredded out of resistance. Many, though, sunk in for me and actually may have saved me. When you write, write from your heart. Don't lecture, just share your experience of what's going on. Share your confidence in them, your hopes for them, your desires for your relationship, and your validation of what you see happening for and around them. Letters can be door openers, even if you don't see the results right away. So on that note, I'm going to wrap up today's episode and invite you to join me next week when I'm going to dive into the anxiety contagion factor and how it impacts us as adults who are attending to our chronically anxious kids and how to take good care of ourselves. I'm so thankful for your ear. I feel honored to be standing in the trenches with you. In the age and culture of things like glossy Instagram posts, mom shaming, and harmful stereotypes, we need to really bravely shed our protective layers and just own our true experiences of parenting, war wounds and all. Really, how else are we going to get to realize that we are not the only ones experiencing the messiness of it all? As parents, we need to support one another. We need to share in the laughter, but also in the lamenting and find ways to hold one another up. And that is my sincere goal for this podcast and for the broader mental health work that I do. Don't forget to take a look at today's show notes where you'll find related resources and my letter from the trenches. If you're wanting to know a little bit more about my work, please subscribe to my living room learning page at my.thrive-life.ca forward slash LRL series. I'll be able to keep you posted on new tools and resources that I put out in the world, and it'll allow us to get to know one another a bit better. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, where I share links to my projects, offer up free tools to support you and your family, and I keep things real from a parenting perspective. Standing shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in the mud. Let's talk again next week.